Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my partner in crime. You guys know him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're going to dive into this Woody Page article on Vic Fangio, but some pretty interesting stuff we're going to get to later on here in the pod. Uh, yeah, it's illuminating considering what's happened in the Super Bowl and how the Broncos deviated from the norm and not hiring an offensive-minded coach, kind of going against the green and getting a defensive mind. Based on this article and the way the league is now shifting based on what the Patriots did, the Broncos could have the best coaching hire of the offseason. That's right. We're going to get to that here in just a few minutes. First, a few matters of business. You guys know the story. Follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Why? so that you can get in on our Twitter mailbags, you can get in on any of our engagements where we ask for your thoughts, your ideas, the type of topics you want us to cover in the pod. That's how you do it. Also, make sure you leave a creative review and rate the show. Give us a five-star rating, especially key on iTunes, but you might be listening on iHeartRadio, you might be listening on CastBox, TuneIn, you might be listening on Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. Leave a creative review, rate the show, and then also... Help us out by spreading this love around on the Huddle Up podcast by sharing it out on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, whatever social media uh, accounts that you have. Help us out. Share the show. Retweet when you see us tweet. Things like that can really help the show. Other than that, we have a lot to get to today. But first, what we're going to talk about before we get to the Fangio article, we're going to close with the Fangio article. First thing, though, is... It's this time of year where in the offseason, a lot of fans don't really know what to expect. There's a lot of dates coming up in terms of crucial moments in the offseason and pivotal points for the Broncos that you as a fan need to be made aware of. In fact, Zach, as your Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports, did his duty in publishing an article uh, about a week ago that covered and touched on the key dates coming up that Zach and I wanted to riff on a little bit and discuss on the podcast today. And Zach, the first one is February 19th, which isn't too far off. This podcast is coming to your ears on February 12th on Tuesday. So it's only a week out. February 19th is the first day for the Broncos to designate franchise or transition players. Now, what that means is you go back in time for context. The Broncos last utilized the franchise tag, as Zach wrote in his article, on Von Miller back in 2016, right after the Broncos won the Super Bowl. 
and they used that to kind of lock him up so they could negotiate a long-term extension. But, Zach, it doesn't seem like there's really anyone this year that the team would plan on using a franchise or transition tag on. You know, in a perfect world, you maybe would have hoped that last year Shane Ray would have hit it out of the park in a contract year and they could tag him and trade him or something like that. But uh, Yeah, they don't have any candidates as it stands right now, and they would pay that guy the, the average of the top contract at that player's position. And none of the Broncos' free agents are deserving of that one-year contract, which would hamper the, what the Broncos can do financially this offseason. They're going to need to kind of count their pennies. They're going to have some money to spend, but they're really going to have to be frugal and devote that money to where it should be devoted to and not slapping a franchise tag just to slap it on someone. So um, I don't anticipate that happening at all. The next date is... February 26th through March 4th, which is the NFL Scouting Combine, which obviously you all know the NFL world, executives, coaches, scouts, all forms of NFL personnel descend on Indianapolis for this annual event where the top prospects of the draft come in and they test physically, they do their weigh-ins, they get measured, they interview, and a lot of crucial intelligence comes out of that event that informs what happens in the NFL draft. Now, Zach and I have some things in the works. We're not quite ready yet to announce anything, but keep your eyes open for some really fun, really exciting news from the Huddle Up podcast and MHH247 soon as it relates to the combine. But Zach, I'm really looking forward to that just as a fan of football to get to see some of these prospects out on the on the turf, so to speak, running the 40, you know, doing all the different drills, testing, and then also some of the buzz that's going to come out of their respective time at the podium and some of the interviews. Oh, I am too. And, you know, now that NFL Network covers it and social media with the advent of that, it's covered so closely. We can really get a behind the scenes look of what goes on there with all the interviews and the workouts and what they're put through. It's, It's such a fascinating look behind the veil and seeing what the NFL world does in that setting with the top prospects. And this is such a crucial draft for the Broncos this year that Elway has to hit on. Um, obviously, Drew Locke will be there. They're going to have their quarterbacks there. A lot of the Broncos players, um, future Broncos players, I should say, and Elway and the new Broncos coach, Vic Fangio. And this kind of sets the table for what they're going to do in free agency as all the NFL GMs and the coaches are there. It, there's one big melting pot of rumors. And this is where those rumors start. And this is, you know, the immaterializes in free agency and the draft. So yeah. um, it's always an exciting period. And I can't wait for it to uh, get here. Again, stay tuned for some news that Zach and I hope to unveil to you as it relates to the show and the website and the combine here very soon. So stay tuned for that. The next thing is March 11th. That's when the legal tampering window opens as it relates to free agency. So this is the period before the signing period. So NFL teams and agents are permitted to speak. They can reach agreements on deals, even though the contracts cannot formally be executed or signed, uh, etc. So last year, as you wrote in the Peace Act, the Broncos were able to sign quarterback Case Keenum during the first day of the tampering window. Yeah, and I kind of hate this because it kills free agency for everything because most of these deals are struck within the early hours of this tampering period. Um, there's always those back-channel deals and those wink-nod deals that happen, but now it can be finalized before it be even begins. And when March 13th rolls around, there's going to be just a, a fizzle, not going to be any big explosions going on. Uh, and the Broncos landed their quarterback, Case Keenum, literally minutes after that window opened because Elway likely had some sort of a framework of a deal uh, set up in place. But the Broncos will be active this 
year they're going to go after cornerback, secondary, pretty much every position but quarterback. Um, Elway will be on the horn, and I expect him to close some deals right after that window opens. Speaking of which, the window officially opens March 13th at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. So that's going to be an exciting day for all of Broncos country. And as Benjamin Albright elucidated on the Building the Broncos podcast last week, and then our Nick Kendall broke down in great depth and detail in a written article. There are three guys, three free agents in particular, that your Denver Broncos apparently have their eyes set on, and it shouldn't come as a shocker. One, you got Adrian Amos, the safety from Chicago, who the Broncos can probably land on a little bit more affordable deal than going out and trying to pursue a, a guy like Landon Collins if the Giants do, in fact, let Collins go. Then you got the... Off-ball linebacker in Baltimore. Similar thing with C.J. Mosley. If the Ravens let him go, the Broncos are going to go all in to try and get Vic Fangio, his his general field lieutenant for that defense. And just like yesterday's episode, Eric Trickle kind of helped everyone understand why the, the linebackers are so important in Fangio's scheme. And then the third guy was the offensive tackle from Miami, Juwan James, who could come in and permanently fill that right tackle spot. So a lot of exciting things, Zach, in the works, including, you know, the Broncos are going to have to figure out what to do with their own free agents. Matt Paradis, Bradley Roby, Domantop Pecco come to mind as far as the unrestricted guys. Yeah, Elway has a ton of decisions to make, and it's not enviable at all, the position he's in. And a couple other names to keep in mind for the Broncos is Bryce Callahan from the Bears, Eric Kush from the Bears, offensive lineman, Callahan's a corner, and also Aaron Lynch, pass rushing outside linebacker, can be that third pass rushing option behind Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, um, if Jeff Holland doesn't uh, work out there. But Elway will be very, very active, and he's going to have to come to terms with what he wants to do. Of that lot, I would make a serious push for Matt Paradis. I'd let Bradley Roby walk, and I would make a, a fair offer to Domitav Pecco. I would not break the bank for him, but he has a lot of free agents, a lot of unsigned players, a lot of holes to fill. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as much flack as Elway has gotten lately for his personnel decisions, do not forget that as a front office czar, Elway has been one of the best in the NFL at finding the low-key second- and third-wave free agents who come in and outkick their coverage, some of whom have earned – Big contracts, second contracts with the Broncos or other teams. A couple guys who come to mind, Terrence Knighton, you know, lovingly remembered as pot roast on the Super Bowl 48 Broncos that went on, was signed very low key by Elway, second, third wave type guy, comes in, earns a starting role, and goes on to be play at a Pro Bowl level, even though he didn't quite make the Pro Bowl he should have. But he just had a phenomenal postseason that year that helped the defense that was missing so many starters in the playoffs get over the hump and get into Super Bowl fifty or 48, which we know didn't turn out well for the Broncos. But another guy, Zach, Darian Stewart, who was signed as literally a third-wave guy, a sure. former undrafted rookie that had bounced from St. Louis to Baltimore. And he finally got a little starting time in Baltimore and caught Elway's attention. He comes in, plays phenomenally well in 2015, so well that the Broncos not only win the Super Bowl, but give Stewart that big extension, which they're now probably ruining a little bit. Yeah, you talk about out kicking your coverage, though. How about Colby Wadman coming in midseason last year and finishing as the top hunter? Yep. Even when he signed Marquette King, that was hailed as a pretty good move. Elway does have a very strong free agent background, and knock him all you want for his head coaching picks in the past or his draft acumen or quarterbacks. He is really good in the free agent market. Yep. And I anticipate the Elway of the 2014 offseason when he was very aggressive, got all those stars over what we've seen the last couple of years. He knows the pressure's on now, and he knows he has to make some big moves, and I think those are going to 
to happen. And he's going to have the cap dollars to throw his weight around a little bit. That's right. And, sp- and make some splashes. That's right. And $50 million as it stands right now, we're close to it. And that's before any sort of roster tinkering, trimming of the fat, trade extensions, restructures, what have you. Elway will have money. That's a great point. And he's gonna, he is going to use it. Next date to keep an eye on after free agency dies down. March 24th through 27th are the annual league meetings which will take place in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, this is where the NFL will ostensibly address the, as you wrote in the PSAC, a 5,000-pound elephant pass interference after that terrible officiated missed call in the NFC Championship game, which basically Mm. vaulted the Rams into the Super Bowl and buried the New Orleans Saints. So some interesting things as it relates to the competition committee comes out. This is where the league brass really hashes out those topics. Right, and also the fact that you have Pat Boland's induction coming up, and I'm sure Broncos' ownership will be an issue at the annual league meeting with Elway there and Joe Ellis. So, uh, yeah, pass interference definitely will be the biggest um, issue that the NFL has to make a decision on. You talk about making it reviewable or challengeable like the CFL does. Elway doesn't seem to think that'll work out. I seem to think that you have to try at least any sort of thing, even the, the AAF. With their, what they're doing with the technological advances they're, they're making to refute pass interference and challenges and calls on the field, they got to do something. So I think they're going to address that. And like I said, Broncos ownership might come up too. Next we have April 1st. Broncos football returns to the grass. Now it's not in a competitive form quite yet, but that's when your Denver Broncos are permitted to begin their offseason program. So because the Broncos have hired a new head coach, they're allowed to kick the program off two weeks early. So this work, though, as you can remember, phase one, it's limited to strength and conditioning and weight training with on-field exercises actually starting in May. But it's our first chance as media and as fans to kind of start hearing from the new players that have arrived through free agency in the draft. And it's where things really start cooking up and coalescing. So that's an exciting date, April 1st, to look forward to as well. Uh, yeah, and it's pretty much Lauren Landau's Super Bowl because he's going to be the only coach pretty much allowed hands-on access to the Broncos players, new and old, um, coming into the system now. He's strength and conditioning, uh, workouts, getting better and getting right for the rest of the offseason because it's just beginning. You have mini camp coming up. You have training camp coming up the preseason. It happens fast. So uh, Landau will get his hands on them. And, yeah, it starts earlier. The Broncos have a new head coach. We will see the godfather with some uh, fresh Broncos gear on. Here's to hoping Lauren Landa has some better success with his strength and conditioning program right. in 2019. I hate to, you know, kick a guy while he's down, but Fangio chose to keep him, so it's not like he's down. But the Broncos were just bitten so badly by the injury bug, so consistently, one after the other, like dominoes falling, that, you know, I just, I'm not a guy who typically believes in coincidence. And so I think in most cases where there's smoke, Zach, there's fire. So here's to hoping that Lauren Landau maybe can tweak some of the things in his approach to get some better, more lasting results in 2019. But the next one here, April 19th, this is the deadline. And this is where this is going to be key for the Broncos for restricted free agents to sign their offer sheets. Now, what we expect is as it relates to the RFAs, I think Shelby Harris is really the only guaranteed guy or candidate for this. Mm -hmm. Probably a second round tender in order to completely discourage Uh, outside teams from swooping in and signing him to an offer sheet, but it's April 19th. 
Yeah, that's that's the player the Broncos really have to look into, not only securing with a, a tender, a second-round tender, but looking into a long-term deal. He has blossomed the last two years. He's grown exponentially, and I think personally in Vic Fangio's system, in a more attacking um, 3-4 defense, he will put up big, bigger numbers. So once he gets a second-round tender, he's under contract. If I were John Elway, I would make a big push to lock up Harris and uh, and and really secure a long-term talent for the defensive line. That could change with Derek Wolf's departure either now or in the future. The last date that we're going to talk about today as it relates to key off-season dates to look forward to, April 25th, y'all. That's when the NFL draft officially kicks off your Denver Broncos, as we've been talking about this since the season ended, and we're going to continue to talk about until this very day. That's when the NFL draft kicks off. Your Broncos holding the 10th overall pick. We all expect it to be a quarterback, but so much can change between now and then in terms of teams vaulting and and leapfrogging each other to get into position. But it's obviously a day that we're all going to savor, Zach, and I think you and I in particular, after all the time we're going to spend between now and then, talking draft, talking quarterbacks, (laughs) the combine, everything else, we're going to be really looking forward to this day. Yeah, this is it. This is the offseason spectacle, the pinnacle. This is what you've been waiting for the entire offseason. Everything has come to this. Uh, for us, Chad, for you and I in the media, for everyone else, it's it's busy. It's a busy couple days, but that's why we love it. For the Broncos, I want to see what Elway does now in his first draft without Gary Kubiak in the office. You know, he left to Minnesota. Now he's back to just Matt Russell there. He has Vic Fangio coming in, new coaching staff. I want to see how he trusts his instincts. He trusts his scouts. He trusts everything and how it coalesces for the Broncos goes whether he comes out of that first round with a quarterback whether it's Drew Locke what position he goes to it's going to be certainly a sight to behold all right so we're going to dive in to this article this excellent piece written on Sunday over the weekend by Woody Page touching on some crucial crucial takeaways from Vic Fangio when we come back this is the overtime podcast network all right so over the weekend on Sunday Woody Page of the Colorado Springs Gazette published a phenomenal article, included some interview clips from Mr. Vic Fangio. But the big takeaway here, now obviously Fangio hired, you know, a couple weeks into January, whatever it was. He's kind of had some time to settle in a little bit to his role as the head coach. Zach and I have kind of questioned why they didn't go to the combine along with, or excuse me, to the senior bowl along with Elway and the scouting staff. And it's because he had things to take care of on the home front in terms of getting his new coaching staff in place and evaluating the roster. So he's had a little bit of time, Zach, to settle in. And so in walks Woody Page to have a conversation. He's kind of invited into the inner sanctum, if you will, of Vic Fangio's expansive office at Dove Valley. And one of the crucial takeaways from this conversation relates to Super Bowl 53, in which obviously the New England Patriots completely stymied what had been a pretty high-flying Rams offense. I mean, that's one of the reasons, obviously, or the reason Sean McVay and any acolyte or any player tied to Sean McVay offensively has been the bee's knees in the NFL the last two years because the offense has become a prolific machine. And yet, Super Bowl 53, everyone's trying to credit Bill Belichick for coming up with this phenomenal scheme that just shuts down the Rams. Well, you go back to what the Chicago Bears did to the Rams in the 2018 regular season, shutting them down, didn't allow a touchdown the whole game, which is the only game, I believe, of the 2018 season in which the Rams were not able to score a touchdown. The Bears come out on top. But, Zach, I'm going to serve this over to you first. The real takeaway here is that Bill Belichick 
went back, watched the film on that game, and said, I'm going to copy Vic Fangio. It worked so well against the Rams, I'm going to copy this system, this scheme against Sean McVay, against Jared Goff. Here's what Vic Fangio said. Well, he's asked particularly by Woody Page whether he had a kind of subtle sense of self-satisfaction as it relates to seeing his own X's and O's deployed by Bill Belichick on Super Bowl Sunday. And he's quoted as saying, Fangio, quote, Yes, I kind of knew the Patriots would use that defensive scheme. It was obvious they would copy us because of our success against the Rams. And that's exactly what happened. Complete success, which I think, Zach, portends extremely well. If Bill Belichick is copying the X's and O's of the Denver Broncos' new head coach, that's got to portend well for things moving forward. To me, this is an amazing revelation is the fact that Bill Belichick, the revered coach, the best coach in all of football and arguably the GOAT, is saying that the Broncos' new head coach literally copied his defensive game plan, which was brilliant in the Super Bowl, defending that Rams offense. It was that 6-1 defensive front where you put two more players come down in the box, play six linemen, on not six linemen, but six players on the line of scrimmage, take away the flats, take away the running lanes, take away those jet sweeps, those motions. Mm-hmm. That's how you scheme around and shut down an explosive offense. And I'm not sure I don't have the stats in front of me as to what the Bears did statistically to the Rams in that game, but he did cause the Rams a lot of trouble. And Bill Belichick, obviously being the film, you know, nerd that he is, he watched that and used that and they that's why they won. So for him to come out and say that to me, that's why I think the Broncos really got a good guy. And this is why I was pounding the table for Vic Fangio, because not only is he old school, he adapts, he evolves, to use Elway's word. And that's why his defense is year after year, no matter who he's with, are always among the NFL's best. Here's what Fangio said about that 6-1 scheme that was a predominant system in the 60s and defenses eventually evolved. But he said, quote, When you started covering the NFL in the 1960s, referencing that he's a young man in comparison to the other men at the table, a lot of teams were running the 6-1. Defenses evolved into the 4-3 and then the 3-4, closed quote. But it talks about the 6-1 umbrella defense, six linemen, one linebacker, four defensive backs, and the way that it worked to beat the Rams for for the Bears and then also for the Patriots was in the 6-1, and this is from from Fangio's or uh, from uh, Woody Page's piece. In the 6-1, he had four, five, six linemen put extreme pressure on Jared Goff and perplex Rams coach Sean McVay. The two would communicate Sean McVay and Jared Goff on the headset about what the defense was showing them up until the 15-second mark on the play clock when the NFL cuts off the signal. At that moment, though, Fangio would drop his ends into coverage, which changed from zone to man to man and then squeezed the passing lanes. And the Rams just could never adjust. They never comprehended what was happening. And Bill Belichick saw that and just said, you know, let's not try and outthink ourselves or fix what ain't broke. I'm copying old man Fangio. <laughs> yeah, and to me, it, it's the fact that it, perp- you know, he was that outcoached McVay in that game, and he really was. He was outclassed on all levels. And even when the Broncos played the Rams, they they threw Goff some curveballs. That offense to me wasn't that impressive. So he has the players in place, Fangio, already to cause problems for the league's best offenses to defend Patrick Mahomes, let's say. And that's why I love Vic Fangio. He can always adapt. He can always scheme around you. He can take away your best player, your best weapon, your best offensive scheme. And that's what the Broncos have lacked. It, it really 
at least in this sense, I know you talk about having a franchise quarterback chat, but on defense, coaching will make all the difference for Denver. For sure. I mean, if, if they were elite with Vance Joseph, I cannot wait to see what they can do with Vic Fangio. He even threw a little shade at the Rams. Old Fangio talking to Woody Page, he said of his victory over the Rams, he said, quote, they couldn't run the football. And if they can't <laughs> run with Gurley or the other guy, C.J. Anderson, now this is talking about the Super Bowl, they aren't very good. Belichick knew that. Now, I wasn't surprised about what happened in the Super Bowl, close quote. So kind of interesting, a little parting shot. And it's not that Fangio, I don't think, was trying to necessarily throw shade at Sean McVay or Jared Goff, but I think it's a fair point because if you go back to the Broncos game against the Rams earlier this season, past season where Gurley rushes for over 200 yards, if the Broncos – I mean, Goff looked pretty pedestrian in that game, right, the right. way the Broncos played him. And if you would have been able to stop Gurley and put the onus completely on Goff, he might be, I mean, at least at this stage in his development as a young quarterback, just in his third year going into his fourth now, I mean, that's where you can expose the Rams. Fangio figured that out. Belichick followed suit. See, that's what makes the best coaches, and that's what separates them. That's what separates Bill Belichick from Vance Joseph and Vic Fangio from Vance Joseph. It's just how you approach a game and how you scheme around someone and how, what you can do on Sundays when your game plan is thrown out the window and you get punched in the face. How do you respond? And Fangio responds with a better counter. He responds by taking away your entire running game, not just one player. So, like I said, for for Bill Belichick to come out and admit that, and then for Fangio to give his little, his subtle shade, which is to me the best kind of shade when you don't outright admit to it, to do that, it was a little wink nod that the Broncos really got a really great defensive mind and someone who can last the test of time, not just this year, but over the next five years, he can adapt. And with the pieces they have in place, uh, to me, it makes it that more exciting. We're going to talk about what Fangio said of the future here in just a second. But another thing that came from that conversation with Woody Page was his play sheet, his play call sheet. Here's a little interesting nugget from the Page piece. Quote, unlike the fresh breed of coaches who hold up to their faces multicolored, coded, laminated, computer-typed, front and back, a complete complex compilation of potential plays, Vic relies on a folded piece of cardboard with handwritten notations for play calls. Now, here's the quote from Fangio. I never let anybody type it or put it on a computer or even see it. Not even the other coaches. The sheet was for his eyes only. Now that I'll be on the sideline, He has spent all but one of his 30 seasons as a defensive coach in the NFL upstairs in the coaching box. I've got to figure out what I'll do about a play sheet since he'll still be making the defensive decisions on every play, which I think is so cool and interesting, Zach, that he's remained old school and he's so paranoid about his (laughs) stuff getting out that he's just kept it on the cardboard. He doesn't want to go into the computer, which can then turn into the Internet and be gone. Right. I love that. And I'm not surprised that Belichick and Fangio would get along. Two paranoid, old school, traditional coaches. I love that. I I really do. I like the Broncos, um, that old school approach, that godfather approach. Now, he was asked by Paige whether or not this is going to be his last coaching stop. As we know, he's 61, something like that. He said, quote, yeah, in 10 years would be a good number talking about when he would retire. I don't feel any different now than I did when I was with the Saints, which was his first NFL job in 1986. I don't work any different. I just don't run as quick as I did from drill to drill when I was younger. And I'm working harder than I did. I haven't lost my stinger. The game has changed, 
I'm not coaching the same as I was in the 70s or 80s. The X's and O's have changed to a degree. The players are different, and the surroundings of the game, the media, the internet. Back then, there were the big market teams that got all the attention. Now, with the internet, every team is a big market team. Salary cap, rule changes. The game has constantly changed, so I'm not bored. I like the challenge of the game. And then he asked himself a rhetorical question, Zach. Here's where it gets interesting. What's my goal? Obviously, everybody wants to win Super Bowls, but I get a real kick out of seeing players improve and teaching all the little things. I, we, defensive coaches I've been with have been successful with players who were drafted high, and it didn't work out for them with that team. We've gotten them and turned their careers around. I look forward to coaching the low-drafted, undrafted young men. I like the relationships with the players. I'm not a guy who gets buddy-buddy with a player. I'm not going to chest bump a player, and I don't think I will here, but maybe someday I'll get excited and do it. But my approach with the players lasts a long time. One of the most gratifying things about getting this job was getting phone calls and texts from players going back to the 80s. I've had a great relationship with players without being their buddies. That means a lot of me that they still care. Mm. That's such refreshing candor from Fangio. You don't hear coaches talk about that too often. And what I love about him is he is willing to adapt his scheme and his system and what he brings to the table professionally, but he's not willing to compromise himself personally. He's not willing to change who he is just because the times are changing. He's still Vic Fangio, who he was in the 80s, his personality in the 70s. Age doesn't matter for him. I mean, the game is changing, but he will not. And that's what the Broncos need, a steadying hand. They don't need club med. They don't need a player's coach. They don't need Vance Joseph um, being trying to be buddy-buddy with them. They need someone getting in their face and holding them accountable and instilling discipline. And this is why they hired him. And that quote, to me, if you're not excited about Vic Fangio, read that quote. And tell me you're still not excited, and I really have to doubt uh, your Broncos fandom. And here's the last thing we'll talk about as far as this particular piece that really gets me excited. He says, quote, Fangio, I was perfectly happy in Chicago. We'd gone through the hard years, and we finally got some players and won. And I could have stayed there for another 10 years if they had kept me. And then he's finally asked the important question by Paige, will you be as patient as the Broncos head coach? Vic pauses for several seconds, then says, quote, That's a difficult question. If I say I'm not going to be patient, you and everybody else will think that I'm going to make some knee-jerk, short-term decisions that won't have long-term benefits. What we've got to do, I believe, is let's go out there and evaluate this team, find out where we need help, make some good choices for the future, not just for today, if I'm making sense. If I'm not looking to go 4-12 or 5-11 and thinking we're rebuilding, but we must realize that two years from now, three years, that we did in the 2019 season was why we're at that point. We have to establish a work ethic in the players here and work Mm -hmm. very hard in the acquisitions of players in the draft and free agency. And here's what happened to the Bears before I got there. What they were doing was putting Band-Aids on every little problem. Sound familiar, Broncos? Hoping Mm -hmm. that they would be a good team the next year. By the time we got there, they sucked. They were old. No young talent, no nothing. I've coached on two expansion teams in Carolina and with the Texans, and our roster on defense when I was hired was worse than those expansion team defenses, talking about Chicago. We can't let that happen here. We can't do everything to just get to 8-8 now and be 3-13 in 2021. Does that mean that we won't get a veteran in free agency that will help us for a year or two? We can do that, but we can't go and throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and hope that it sticks. And then last thing asked specifically about a future quarterback. 
Quote, do we go for a high draft choice and find out he's not what we hoped he'd be? Or throw a ton of money for somebody, a veteran, and he turns out not to be worth it? We have to be smart. Close quote. So that's a massive information dump there. But Zach, if you're reading between the lines in terms of, you know, you want to talk about a paradigm shift, a culture shift, uh, realignment of priorities, and really how the game is viewed, the Broncos are undergoing that with Fangio at the helm on the coaching level. And I'm really excited to see how that translates philosophically to the personnel acquisition phase that's going to happen through free agency and the draft. If I'm reading between the lines, it's that Vic Fangio is onto you, John Oway, and he sees what the Broncos have done the last couple of years. And that Band-Aid quote, as you pointed out, Chad, that sticks out. That's exactly what the Broncos have done the last couple of years, at least, with Elway, is put plug the holes with gum and any other thing that can stop the leaks, like Case Keenum, for example. Vic Fangio is not going to blow smoke, and that's what the whole quote was. He's going to assess this team as what they are, but he's going to look in the mirror and be realistic. And not just be optimistic um, for the sake of appeasing the media or his bosses. He's gonna tell it like it is. And that I love that. I love that refreshing take yeah. by the Broncos coach. They haven't had that for some time. Even Gary Kubiak wasn't like that that much. So um the Broncos 2019, I hate to say it, he will get a honeymoon year. And I've written about this Fangio. It might not be a competitive year. I mean Competitive could be determined as they have a franchise quarterback on the roster. They're developing them. They're going in the right direction. But 2019 could be a rough year, but they can turn the page to the next decade, but 2020 and beyond. And that's what I think he's saying mm-hmm. is that it might be a transitional period, but he wants to get them in a place where that they can sustain success and not have success and then end up right back where they are right now. Yeah, in a sense, it's kind of on par with Elway's public talking trope win now and from now on. Yeah, you want to win now, but what Fangio's saying here is what's more important is to do things the right way, acquire the right players so that you are able to win from now on. And so the biggest question mark here for this team is remains the quarterback position, but even if the Broncos swing and miss on a quarterback in this draft in terms of not being able to draft a guy, you got Case Keenum who can hold the fort down and probably play at a – we talked about this on the last few podcasts – Uh, Benjamin Albright talked about it. I mean, you can win with Case Keenum if the coaching is where it needs to be, focusing on the quarterback strengths. The X's and O's are key, and you got a good defense. So the Broncos, they're lining up to be able to do that in a worst-case scenario, but I still think they have to. But it's still short-term. It's still band-aid over bullet hole. you got to solve the quarterback position. But I still think with Fangio, Zach, what I'm reading this, I go back to his introductory press conference and everything we've learned about Vic Fangio, it feels like the Broncos have really exercised the demons finally. They're turning the page. Yep. There's a new sheriff in town, so to speak. And it's not – I think it's almost like Elway, when he finally met with Fangio that Monday, that it was almost like a relief for him to talk to a guy who he maybe felt like knows more than he does in terms of, look, I don't have to be the guy completely carrying this thing on my shoulders – I got a guy that I can not only use as a resource to help me as a GM, but I got a guy I can trust to teach, to coach, to lead this team into the future. He's also a guy, Fangio, who's near Elway's age, so they have that too on a personal level. And I think Elway, in a relief, if you want to put it that way, Chad, he's hiring a guy who he believes he can count on more than Vance Joseph, an experienced guy who's going to get the team back because he knows Elway is tying his – 
star to Fangio pretty much. His contract's coming up in a few years, Elway, and if the Broncos don't turn it around, he's not going to see another coaching change. So he's riding a lot in Vic Fangio, and I think, as you said, he realized that, okay, I can put my trust in him and realize this is not an inexperienced guy. He has more than one year as a coordinator. He can be the guy to instill that culture change, and as you said, I mean, the air is crisper there, Chad. The water tastes better in Dove Valley. It's a whole new day there, and I see the same thing you're seeing, and I want to see it on the field first, um, but everything we've heard and everything he said um it, it's really really a new day in Dove Valley and I hope that translates back to its championship standard just really exciting stuff and a phenomenal piece those of you I mean we've read some of the most interesting clips from it but take some time go find the article and uh, read it on the coloradogazette.com you can find it but uh yeah just good things coming there's a piece we published on the website in January 10 things that you didn't know about Vic Fangio you want some more background on your new head coach, kind of give you some insight into this mastermind, this X's and O's genius on the defensive side of the ball, and a real passionate teacher. Go find that article. Just Google 10 things you didn't know about Vic Fangio. You'll find it. Uh, but in the meantime, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We're off tomorrow. You'll have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos with Nick and Carl. I don't know what they have cooking, so I can't tease it at this moment, but stay tuned because it's going to be killer content. In the meantime... Zach and I will be back on Thursday and Friday. Friday, look forward to the VIP mailbag. As always, milehighhuddle.com VIPs. Go on to the MHH Insiders Forum. I'll be posting a thread there uh, for questions for that episode, the VIP mailbag on Friday, so feel free to fire away. But look for that. Leave your questions there. Those of you who have yet to pull the trigger on becoming a Mile High Huddle VIP, you got to do it. It's easy. Go to the website. Look for the green banner. Click follow it through, create your account, you'll be locked in. And then you get in on the VIP mailbag, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. You get access to 100% of the content we produce on the front page, plus access to our VIP member only message board, MHH Insiders, where guys like me, Zach, Eric Trickle, Nick Kendall, we're dishing and sharing all the inside information we pick up, which this time of year is when we get the most as far as the free agency period the NFL draft. So if you haven't made that decision to pull the trigger and become a VIP, I'm telling you right now, we appreciate you listening to the pod. We appreciate you reading the front page, but you're missing out. You're only getting the tip of the iceberg. So pull the trigger on that. You have my word. You have Zach's word. All of us, you will not be disappointed. In the meantime, follow the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find Zach at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. Enjoy Wednesday's pod on building the Broncos. Zach and I will see you again on Thursday. For Zach, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.